This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. We had the opportunity to think about how these academic health systems, as they've included community hospitals within their systems, how do they build the necessary relationships, connections, decisions around service allocation? We had the opportunity to look at this both from an intrasystem, so how within an academic health system decisions are made, how you align the faculty with the community physicians. Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host, Jamie Zage. Today, we're going to focus on academic medical centers and four key themes for 2023. I'm joined by my guests, Justin Cassidy and Michael Humphrey, and they're going to talk with us about the key themes that they're sharing with our academic medical center clients. Mike, at SG2, we've been hosting an AMC summit for 20 years, and we have included in the fall of 2022, 17 faculty members. That was a huge number from 11 different organizations sharing their presentations, their experience, and even participating in a panel. The emphasis really was on these four key themes of infrastructure, equity, quality, and differentiation. Can you just give us a little overview on those four and why they're important for 2023? Happy to, Jamie. This is our 20th year of doing this. And it's a bit like a family reunion because the AMCs have been so integral and important to SG2's history, both being partners in thought leadership, in one sense, really pushing us to be very thoughtful around those changes in healthcare and how their respective role as academic health systems change and how they can be more proactive in their responses to those changes. We did have these four themes, and we built these themes based upon really the nature of the questions and trends that we're observing. Infrastructure, borrowing heavily on the, the term of SDTUs is quite frankly system of care. We had the opportunity to think about how these academic health systems, as they've included community hospitals within their systems, how do they build the necessary relationships, connections, decisions around service allocation? It's been quite interesting to hear this. So we had the opportunity to look at this both from an intrasystem, so how within an academic health system decisions are made, how you align the faculty with the community physicians. But we also had a really unique opportunity to look intersystem. So how do you do that between an academic health system as well as an integrated delivery system in the same market? We had really the opportunity to see two unique perspectives and how the unique capabilities of leadership, the market dynamics all led to answering how do you build a better system of care. The second area of equity, I continue to be surprised around the ingenuity, the innovation, and really the passion around equity. It is a difficult issue, one that is certainly challenged by demands on how we continue to fund and evolve it and the required partnerships. I was just so impressed by the passion of the folks who shared their ideas. And in times of economic challenges, it's really those strong voices that continue to press equity to the forefront. It was both encouraging and both just the creativity is simply amazing. The third topic was around high reliability. We have always been challenged by the idea as we build these academic health systems, are we creating value? And we know that that can be challenging, but we also use the opportunity under the umbrella of quality to look at how the workforce, their involvement, their feeling that they are part of an organization that is focused on the safety of its patients that provide highly reliable care, how that actually is a strategy for retention for them. And then quite frankly, how that improves clinical outcomes. There's really a direct correlation. And then finally, we talked about disruption. 
we had been challenged in 2021 from our members to say, help us understand all these disruptors, the large ones, the ones like Amazon, like Google, the smaller ones that are venture capital backed medical groups. How are these are potentially changing how we relate to our communities and our patients and our consumers, but also should we partner with them or should we try to build these competencies within ourselves? We tried to cover a large landscape and having our members tell their stories firsthand was really well received and is always an important part of the Academic Medical Center Summit. Yeah, thank you, Mike. I love how you spun quality into reliability, high reliability and differentiation into disruption. They're very much equated to each other. Justin, in talking with you two from what we heard from the session, one of the great things was the Duke story around artificial intelligence and something we've been talking about for years. You want to share a little bit about that story? Sure thing, Jamie. And, and really, it was a, an absolute pleasure on the first day of our summit to be able to join in person for a tour of the Duke Green Level campus, where we were really privileged to have the opportunity to learn about the Duke Institute for Healthcare Innovation, or DHI. DHI is just doing incredible things. And Mike, more than anything, Duke Health has been managing their missions. Those four themes that you discussed all tie in to what they're measuring in real time. And DHI is just doing outstanding work. Jamie, to your point related to AI, a few years ago, some of our listeners might remember, there was a lot of press going around about something called Google's death algorithm. This was a retrospective data analysis that a couple large AMCs had initiated within their system, looking at electronic health records historically. Well, DHI is now doing that with a homegrown, homebrew AI system in-house, in real time, incorporating everything and anything about a patient with the electronic health records, able to calculate mortality, 30-day mortality risk, risk of readmissions of patients in real time. So think about individual patients on in a hospital ward, in an ICU, being able to calculate that, being able to then triage workforce accordingly to preempt the possibility of that readmission. It's really a spectacular story to hear about and experience in real time. And the guiding principles for innovation at, at DHI are also worth noting. The systems that they're building are meant to be used. They're sourced from both the top down and the bottom up. The top down, so from a strategic angle, that they are built to show value, that there is a strategic intent behind their implementation. From the bottom up, these are tools that are really requested by our frontline clinical teams. And so they're tools that will be used. And finally, they emphasize the ability to scale everything and anything that they incorporate into clinical care, such that it's not a, just a one and done type of approach. Mike, Jamie, I know we hear all the time about individual one-off AIs, say, to prevent pneumonia admissions or the like, but thinking about every single individual medical condition incorporating it all with a centralized command center with this sort of unified approach, DHI is really leading the charge. And so really encourage our listeners to check out DHI's website, see some of their great work and outstanding publications. It sounds like an essential infrastructure in the future as this matures and we start to see broader adoption, as you said, in sort of the all patient approach, not just the single condition, but a huge part of that infrastructure piece. Oftentimes we hear the term translational research, and that's one of the values that academic health systems have. And to see this technology be developed and to really have a critical impact on capacity management, as well as the clinical outcomes, it was really amazing. It was inspiring. And I think what was so nice with Duke being our host, we have the opportunity to see how this connected to not only clinical operations, but their future vision for this new campus. And Justin, what caught my ear was the idea of palliative care 
care. Many organizations struggle with being able to predict when a patient might benefit from palliative care. So being able to look at that in a proactive way has impact on both the patient and their families and hopefully having better outcomes. But it was just inspiring to see that movement from bench to bedside. There is no sort of bench to bedside. It's just one and the same at academic medical centers moving forward. And, and Jamie, that sort of operational excellence, that repurposing of COVID command centers to clinical operations and other strategic intents, say with marketing, being able to monitor that in real time with real data and then direct care, change care accordingly is really impressive. Absolutely. Mike, can you tell us a little bit about some of the partnerships that were presented to the Academic Medical Center Summit? We had two great stories. I'll focus on the story that was shared by Carrie Joe, who's the CSO of University of Wisconsin. And it is truly a story of partnership. When she first shared the story with us, we were surprised by the lack of ego in the institutions, particularly given that if you looked at their historical relationships and those organizations were University of Wisconsin and Mariger Hospital, which is part of the Unity Point Health System out of Iowa, it had been really contentious. And a lot of this played out in the headlines, everything from trademark to uh, other legal issues of staff. And it just wasn't a really good ground for relationship. But what she shared with us that over time, the leadership felt like by working together rather than competing in the market in Madison, Wisconsin, they could provide a better system of care, that they could build infrastructure that wasn't duplicative, that actually built upon each of the unique organization successes. What they used to really ground that partnership was a joint operating agreement. And as part of that joint operating agreement, there were several areas of focus. Avoiding expensive duplication of facilities was important. Even now, as you think about workforce and the challenges that exist in terms of recruitment retention, by working together, they weren't competing for the same market of employees. And then there was just some other areas that were focused in terms of true infrastructure, so the background that supports the exchange of information for patient care. But there were several things that they did starting from 2017 that I think were just great. Often we talk about service distribution being an incredibly challenging thing to do within a system. In this case, they actually did it across the system, and the example that was shared was around obstetrics. Moving that obstetrical service into Meritor, which was the community hospital, allowed them to both grow the program, which was quite significant, but also focus resources and clinical talent around it. There were other great examples that they shared. Oftentimes, you think about behavioral health and certainly we're aware of the increasing incidence of that among adolescents. They were able to collaboratively develop child and adolescent behavioral health inpatient service to complement some of the outpatient services. An area where there's increasing demand and challenges to serve these patients, another great example of partnership that had they not done it together, I'm not sure it would have had the same impact or skill. The other interesting thing was Meritor had the opportunity in line with some of the growth in the market to expand beds and rather compete for those beds. Again, they decided very strategically. And probably the other great example that rounded out the opportunity was they each had health plans and the ability to bring those together to create scale, to reduce administrative cost, which hopefully impacted the premium dollar. These were all great examples. And Carrie was just very generous in saying, while I'm sharing with you all of these accomplishments, don't be fooled. There are certainly challenges that exist when you have two organizations come together. Everything from different EHRs, right? That can be very challenging. And even though they are two separate entities, the sharing of information can be somewhat limited. But at the heart of it, she said, despite all of these challenges, that it really rested upon the shoulders and intentions of the leaders to work through this. It was just an inspiring story of how we don't have to compete. And in many cases, when we don't, we can use more positive energy towards collaboration and it benefits the community and the patients that we serve. 
Justin, there was another partnership example, but it was more of an intrasystem partnership at Indiana University. Do you want to talk a little bit about their situation and how they leverage their system to make things happen? Absolutely, Jamie. This is really an inspiring story. IU Health has been undergoing expansion. Really, their scale and scope encompasses the entire state of Indiana. With that expansion from an academic medical center to an academic medical system, there is an increased drive to unify into one medical group. And that's the story that we heard, the idea strategically to make sure that the services that the medical group is set up to support prioritization of tertiary and quaternary care with an appropriate distribution of clinical care. Also to consider a singular strategy to improve patient flow and distribution of clinical care throughout that system. This is really essential to drive great patient experiences, particularly for those in rural communities to enable access to clinical trials and recruitment and the like. More than anything, I was struck by the remanagement of physician expectations, the community-based physicians having greater access to patients, but for also perhaps minimizing their research or education commitments at the same time that they're able to network with their colleagues that are focusing more in those areas. The other key take home here is as you're unifying a medical group, there is really the need to be under the same sort of performance metrics throughout and through expansion of those to the community, there might be management expectations just to say, hey, this might look different when we change how we're measuring and who we're measuring from to draw those metrics. Having those expectations in mind is essential, as is the buy-in from leadership. Same with EW Health and Unity Point. The coming together of medical groups of different hospitals, community and academic, that lines up with the next theme, which is that high reliability organization. And what you talked about bringing the medical groups together, Justin, there's an element of culture there. Can you talk a little bit about how culture and the cultural changes that need to happen or alignment that needs to happen came through under this high reliability discussion? This is one that we thought was really essential to incorporate as one of our key themes, that of clinical quality. The elevation of quality to the level of system strategy has really elevated in the past couple of years. It's because of culture. The idea of organizations going through a high reliability organizational journey, the start of these usually come through measuring one or another clinical metric, say a performance improvement initiative for sepsis readmissions or something along those lines. But it's evolved now to thinking more about pulse check surveys of the clinical workforce, measuring and monitoring the sort of boots on the ground feel of our clinical care teams and the incorporation of management into the front lines to ping and get a picture of what is necessary to change from a managerial standpoint to support our clinical care teams in the best way possible. And here we were privileged to have two systems that are at the vanguard, already excellent in terms of quality and have expanded their initiatives to do even better. So really inspirational stories from both Penn Medicine and Intermountain Health. Penn Medicine really exemplifies the ability of monitoring their clinical benchmarks from a quality perspective, thinking about areas to improve by monitoring variation in care. For instance, repeat imaging for patients within three months after that initial ER visit and and being able to minimize that opportunity. Also looking at average cost per discharge within the system, seeing where there might be opportunity to improve and realign operationally. From Intermountain Health here, really engaging in awesome stories shared by Dr. Woodruff, 
even simple or seemingly simple interactions with management and the clinical care teams, like something as simple as an email regarding an e-learning module. And if it's very insistent, if it's all in red caps, when the clinical care team receives it, it kind of sets a mood and a tone, particularly if it looks like an angry email and the providers have already done the training. It's kind of a waste of time. It also elevates stress. And so thinking about minimizing that experience from both the clinical care teams, but also thinking about from a patient perspective when they're receiving emails and outreach that it's more personalized and targeted to be relevant to them. That supports that quality by encouraging a culture that really emphasizes the things that really motivate everyone from a mission-oriented point of view to healthcare in the first place, which is the most excellent care for patients possible. You know, Justin, the interesting thing that I thought about the Penn Medicine was we were fortunate to have two speakers. We had Greg Cruz, who is over strategic operations, which is a blend of strategy and operations, sort of a novel role, and Patricia Sullivan, who's the chief quality officer. It was really great to see the intersection between strategy, operations, and quality be exemplified between their discussion of the why and how they were executing. And it's no small task to create this culture. They were already top performers, but the way that they were rolled this out, really the rigor in which everybody from frontline to senior management had a clear role and clarity that was really impressive in terms of the execution aspect of developing high reliability. But the value is obviously the ongoing management, education, involvement from the staff. Both stories were quite incredible. The collateral benefit from a workforce attrition, that motivation, that mission reorientation is what we need. And this, we thought, was just two excellent examples of organizations that are fulfilling those very difficult tasks. It's interesting to see how these themes flow through. It's an example on high reliability, but it really creates differentiation. And similarly, moving towards health equity, you also get this ability to differentiate how and what you're doing. I know you had a panel discussion to really cover the health equity topic. And I know it's really hard to capture some of those stories, but Justin, there was one related to the partnership with the community that Maybe you can share a little bit about that with our audience and that impact on health equity. Sure thing, Jamie. We actually had two panel discussions, one on differentiation, one on health equity, and each had outstanding organizations contributing their stellar stories related to both differentiation and health equity. What was really intriguing was the ties between. For instance, on the differentiation panel, as you mentioned, the story related to health equity that really resonated strongly with our audience was David Randall, who shared from UAB their partnership with an indigent health clinic, Cooper Green, in the area. And this is a facility where they have have essentially a payment test bed in play where there's a citywide sales tax that's used to fund that money then can be used without strings attached in the traditional ways that we may have with value-based care or payments that may serve as a barrier almost to innovation and differentiation. So thinking about more proactive approaches with patient population and the engagement of them in order to drive preventative and primary care engagement with patients to preempt care in more escalated care needs in emergency department engagement and the like with those populations. So really an intriguing story on that end. Mike, though, I think that more than anything, everyone in the audience was struck by the emotionally powerful stories that were shared on our health equity panel. Absolutely, Justin. I feel like I could never do justice to what we heard there. 
What I think was so evident is that each of the individuals from the University of Chicago, from Duke, as well as from Virginia Commonwealth University, their own personal stories as related to their role in advancing health equity really brought forth that this is a human issue. This is not a business issue. This is a human issue that actually has clinical consequences. And the way that they were able to either harness technology to either advocate and work with state legislators or to work with a various number of social and community resources to really execute on this, it was simply amazing. And Dr. Washington, who is the CEO of Duke, he had spoken earlier in the keynote about his own personal journey and how he had had a fortunate opportunity and how now as a leader, and he has been a leader at several really amazing academic health systems, how he continues to advocate for it. And it is very much heart and soul of Duke. But I would encourage you for those who have equity as part of either your tripartite or if it's the fourth leg of your quadripartite mission, these organizations are great examples. The passion that the individual leaders bring is what's going to be required to keep this at the forefront when financial challenges get difficult. And we're starting to really see the clinical and social impacts that this can have collaboratively between the AMC and their communities and other partners. I think from our health equity panel, my key take home was the opportunity to build longitudinal trust with the communities that we serve, not sort of one and done types of partnerships or initiatives, but thinking about engagement with communities in a much longer time scale. We heard James Williams from U Chicago Medicine, Deborah Clark from Duke Health and Cheryl Garland from VCU and all of them. Really, the stories were, there was like that common theme of trust that really was the tie-in, building that engagement and also then feeding back as we sort of kicked off this segment with clinical quality. And even from an infrastructure point of view, is that caring for patients in a more preventative way preempts the need for an inpatient admission and can decant a crowded facility while better caring for the communities bringing it all together. So I want to thank you, Justin, and thank you, Mike, for your participation in our podcast today, sharing your insights from the 2022 AMC Summit with our listeners. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. And we would like to thank Duke University Health System for being our co-host this year. We have always had the privilege to work with some of our partner AMCs to be on site. And without the work and commitment of Dr. Washington, Dr. Klautman, Dr. Albanese, and Morgan Jones from Duke University Health System, this wouldn't have been possible. So we really want to extend our appreciation for them continuing to help advance the ideas and efforts around academic health systems and their mission. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mike, for that additional but a very important note. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments or ideas for episodes, and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com. Additionally, I recommend that you check out some of the other Visient podcasts, which cover a range of clinical and operational areas. Those can all be found at visientinc.com backslash podcasts. Mm-hmm.